I, friends, no one makes it through life without hurts and offenses. You know, when we are offended and our hearts are wounded, just sometimes we feel that hate and vengeance and resentment and contempt and rivalry are our only options. But when we make bitterness and unforgiveness our choices, our own lives are affected as well as the lives of those around us. Bitterness wreaks havoc. Get your Bible and let's talk about it. When I was in the eighth or ninth grade, I had an English teacher who would read to us every day. She takes a small segment out of the class and just read something to us. And over a period of time, that school year, she read to us a novel called Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. The story was set in the early 1800s. One of the main characters in the novel is Miss Havisham. And when she first appears in the story, she is an eccentric old lady, and it's her birthday. Well, on her birthday, many, many years earlier, something terrible happened to her. She was dressing for her wedding when she received news that her fiancé would not be arriving because he had run away with another woman. Well, it was 20 minutes till nine when all of that took place. And so she knew at 20 minutes till nine on her birthday, her wedding day, that her groom would not be coming. Life stopped for Miss Havisham. I better say Miss Havisham stopped her life. Every clock in the house was stopped at 20 till 9. She pulled the drapes to block out the light. She lived in seclusion with an adopted daughter named Estella. Now, Estella had been orphaned at the age of three, so Miss Havisham had just taken her in to raise her. And so the wedding feast and the cake were all set, and they were left on the table to rot. Spiders, mice ran everywhere. But perhaps the most vivid thought in my mind to me was that Miss Havisham had continued to wear her wedding gown and veil all those years. It was deteriorating, rotting, worn, fragile, discolored, but she continued to wear it. Pip was another main character. He was attracted to Estella, and he wondered what was taking place, what had happened here. And so he was talking with Miss Havisham one day, asked her some questions, and she explained it this way. Listen to it. On this day of the year, long before you were born, this heap of decay was brought here. It and I have worn away together, the mice have gnawed at it, and sharper teeth than the teeth of mice have gnawed at me. Sharper teeth than the teeth of mice 
have gnawed at me. What were those sharp teeth? They were the sharp teeth of bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment. And Estella was a victim of Miss Havisham's behavior and teaching because Miss Havisham raised Estella to hate. She raised her to break the hearts of others. And so Estella treated, treated other people cruelly, had an ice cold demeanor, could not show love, didn't have a good relationship with anybody. So please take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. Chapter 12 and verse 15. Our society has become so riddled with resentment and bitterness that we almost consider it a normal response to life and to the things that happen to us. We often carry this deeply seated anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. And even though they are highly destructive to us and to those around us, we've never been willing or felt able to let them go and forgive, to release forgiveness to our offenders. Sometimes we don't think of ourselves as bitter we don't think of ourselves as unforgiving people. Maybe we even still smile at someone who has hurt us. But if we let the Spirit of God open our hearts and shine His holy light in there, then we would discover seeds of bitterness have been scattered all in our hearts. And when left there, they will take root. Look at, a, at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. He says, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. We've said that everyone has hurts and offenses. Let's call hurts and offenses seeds, seeds that are frequently scattered we see them, we encounter them probably about every day. And so what happens to the life of that seed depends upon what I do with it. It may fall on soil, which will not receive it, and on which it is dealt with quickly and in a godly way. But then again, it may fall on a heart of soil that nurtures that hurt, that grieves over it. And so it gives that seed life and allows that seed to take root in the heart, a root of bitterness. The root of bitterness becomes buried in a heart of pride. Pride says, I'm going to handle this my way instead of God's way. I can do this. I can't do what God wants me to do. I'm going to do this my way. And so that's a prideful heart. And in a prideful heart, there's a proper, the proper environment and nourishment for that root to produce a shoot of anger and resentment. And that shoot bears foliage that is a visible expression of the root. It is seen in one's countenance. You can see it in one's personality and behavior. Foliage is also an intake system, and with continued nourishment, 
that's going to produce fruit. Well, the fruit is toxic. It's poison. And this scripture tells us that it causes trouble and defiles many. So we have the root, the shoot, and the fruit, and it can grow into this prolific plant. What environment does the root of bitterness need to grow and produce fruit? Well, it needs darkness. It needs for light to be rejected. The light and the truth of God's word are rejected in that prideful heart, leaving darkness there. We close the drapes to God's truth and don't let the light into our heart. Darkness is Satan's realm. He works in a prideful heart. He works his destruction in a heart that rejects God's truth for its own way. We give Satan space when we make those choices. Now, this verse says, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. Well, what does that mean? Does it mean that I will lose my salvation? Does it mean that I cannot be saved? No and no. Think about it this way. How does one come short of the grace of God? Not quite reach it, not quite take it, not quite get to it. James chapter four and verse six says this, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Numerous scriptures tell us to humble ourselves. Humbling ourselves accesses the grace of God. There is always more grace. There is always more grace. We receive grace. We give grace. And so what is grace? Grace gives us the desire and the ability to do God's will. I love Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. It says this, For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. He gives you the want to, and he gives you the ability to do it. So I humble myself before God by surrendering to God's truth. And I change my mind to think the way he thinks instead of to think the way I want to think, instead of to think according to my flesh. Pride rejects God's thoughts and God's ways. Pride and darkness are the environment in which that evil one prospers. Satan loves it. The enemy loves it because he can work there. And so this bitter plant, the root of bitterness, thrives on that. Well, what does it look like? Well, I think one of the first things we see when that plant has taken root in our hearts is self-pity. Um, you know, phrases like, how could anyone do that to me? Or why is he or she so inconsiderate of me? Can't he see how much he has hurt me? What's the key word there? Me, me, me. So what happens is that my focus then, instead of being on the Lord, my focus gets on me. And thoughts like these water the plant and they bury that root so that it can grow better. What about the shoot? What does it need? 
It needs foliage. The shoot itself is anger springing up out of a bitter root. Anger and resentment are going to sprout up, and they're going to sprout up out of that bitter heart. Think about three aspects of foliage. Maybe you learned this in biology in school. Foliage has an input system. It has an output system, and it is the visible expression of the life of the root. Uh, that's interesting. Some For some years now, I've been planting a small garden in the spring. And when I first started, one of the things that was a little bit confusing to me, I knew that my grandmother, my great, the, the other people that planted gardens could look at a plant and just tell by looking at the plant what it was without it having any fruit, without it bearing anything. So through the years, I've gotten to where I know what a tomato plant looks like, even though it doesn't have tomatoes. I know what a green bean plant looks like. I know what a squash plant looks like. So I know what it is because what's happening. The foliage is the visible expression of the root of what that plant is going to produce. And so this foliage is going to do the same thing. It has an input system, an output system, and it is the visible expression of the life of the root. Well, how does the foliage take nourishment? Well, let me give you some ideas. Um, maybe I get on the phone and get some people to take sides with me. I feed that foliage. That's the input. Or I get them to take up my offense. I get them to be angry because I'm angry, even though they may not have any part in the fray. Maybe I think about just think about it all the time. Just think about it all the time. And I let it make one of those ruts in my brain so that that is an easy go-to thought. It's easy for my thoughts to slide into that root and to get caught up again in that memory and that hatred and that hurt. Maybe I withdraw from godly spiritual influence. Maybe I back off from Christian fellowship. Maybe you say, hmm, I'm not going to church. I don't want to hang out with those people. Maybe I begin to seek ungodly counsel. Again, somebody who will agree with me because where's my focus? It's on me. Maybe I get excessively busy. Do you ever just get really busy to keep from thinking about something? Maybe I place blame to justify my guilt. Maybe I redefine my sin by saying, I'm not bitter, I'm just hurt. Mm. Maybe we try to feel better by rewarding the flesh. Maybe I overeat. Maybe I overspend. Maybe I travel all the time. Maybe I have an affair. Maybe I get into alcohol and drugs. All of those things to ease the pain of the hurt my way. We tend to envy the wicked. We think that they don't have any problems. They're just good. And so they just look to us like they're just fine and don't have any problems. So we envy them. And, and God says, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious of workers of iniquity. Well, all of those things begin to happen. And that's the way the foliage takes in nourishment. What about the output of the foliage? What do I begin to see in that foliage of this bitter plant? 
Well, we're going to begin to see a quick temper, impatience, a critical spirit, resentfulness, stubbornness, frustrated, finger pointing. So it begins to just eat at us and it begins to show up in our foliage. What about the visible expression of the life of the root? Now, what is the root? Bitterness. What is the visible expression of that? Well, you might see a hard countenance. Did you ever see anybody who's just hard all the time? Almost unapproachable. Um, maybe our feelings get hurt easily. We're oversensitive. Tiredness, confusion. Lots of times they're physical symptoms. Now, we talked about this with tormentors, but now you remember all physical symptoms are not results of bitterness, but enough of them are that when we have them, we need to ask the Lord if he's telling us something. But psychologists will tell you that bitterness is often related to ulcers and high blood pressure and rashes and headaches and depression and digestive problems, worry, fear, back trouble. And then there's murmuring and fretting and paranoia. Paranoia is when I think everybody knows and everybody's thinking about me. Why deal with bitterness? Why deal with all this? Well, God said so. That's number one. Number one, God said so. Number two, who is around you that you are willing to defile by your own unforgiving spirit? He says it defiles many. Who are you willing to defile? Your children? Your grandchildren? Your spouse? Your friends? Do you really want to have that kind of an effect on the people that you love that are around you often? Third reason to deal with bitterness, it will destroy you. It will destroy you. Bitterness and unforgiveness suck the very life out of you. You know, we tend to think that we can be bitter without anybody knowing it. It's not possible. Can't happen. It troubles us, the scripture says, and defiles many. Even when we think nobody knows and nobody sees. We've talked about the seed of a hurt or an offense that has settled in a heart that rejects God's word because of pride. And it has grown into a root of bitterness. But what happens if that seed falls on a heart that is humble? It falls on a humble heart. A humble heart receives and bows to God's word. That humble heart produces a mind that aligns its thinking with God's thinking, that submits to God's thoughts, to God's ways, to God's command. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, gives us a clue. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit 
in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's what happens when a hurt falls on a godly heart, a humble heart. So what kind of shoot might spring up? Grace and mercy and obedience. From a heart of humility, grace and mercy and obedience are going to spring up in a shoot. Well, what kind of fruit is it going to bear? Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 say, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. That's what the foliage is going to look like. You know, you cannot focus on God and his word for a period of time and not be changed. We become like that on which we focus. A bitter root produces a destructive harvest. Do you know what shrivels up a bitter root? Grace. Grace will shrivel that bitterness up every time. You know what? Grace is greater than our wounds. You know, you might say, but but Sharon, you don't know what I've been through. You know, not after what he did to me or not after what she did to me. It's too painful to even think about it. I can't even talk about it. But then this one, it's not fair to let it go. No, it's not fair, but it's grace. Was it fair for God to allow Jesus to go to the cross to pay for your sin? No, it wasn't fair. It was grace. That's what God is calling us to here. It is grace. It's God's grace that is greater than all our sin. God made it right when he gave his son, Jesus Christ. We will never be asked to give more grace than we have received. Never. And one of the things that this study has done in my own heart is it has made me rethink all of the grace that God has poured out to me. All of the grace that God has poured out because Jesus died for all of the sins, for all of the world, for all time. Was it fair? No. It was grace. God's grace. Infinite grace. Now, Remember that forgiveness does not say that it was all right. Forgiveness is relinquishing the right to retaliate. We relinquish that right to God. Why? Because vengeance belongs to him. The outcome of our lives is not determined by what happens to us, but by how we respond to what happens to us. You know what? As long as we believe that our happiness and well-being are determined by what happens to us, we will always be victims. 
Miss Havisham chose to be a victim. Of course, Great Expectations is a fictional tale, but its events are all too often very, very true. Was there a time when, like Miss Havisham, you stopped your life because of something that happened to you? Was there a circumstance or an incident in your life that made you decide that that incident would change your future well-being? Are you wearing a garment of mourning? Are you still wearing the garments of mourning like she wore that wedding dress and veil the rest of her life? Are we wearing garments of mourning when God has given us garments of praise and joy and thanksgiving? Have you have the sharp teeth of bitterness and unforgiveness gnawed at you like mice? Do you think that Miss Havisham's fiancé was one bit changed by her behavior? Do you think he went on and enjoyed his life, or do you think he felt badly the rest of his life because of the way she responded? Mm -mm. See, sometimes we feel like that our response is going to make the other person notice and hurt. Not usually. doesn't usually happen that way. You know, forgiving others is a salve that begins to heal our own hurt. And as we give that out, as we give that forgiveness, as we give that grace, then we begin to heal. Our hearts begin to heal. That root of bitterness begins to, to dry up. So he said here, remember, here in chapter 12 and verse 15, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. How do I do that? I do that by not receiving the grace that he is offering to me. Because what's he going to do? He's going to give me the grace to give to others. What am I? A conduit, remember? God's grace comes to me, a sinner who has come to Christ. And then I become conduit for that grace to be displayed and an example to all of the world around me. The only way the world knows how to see what God's grace is like is when his people demonstrate that grace. When you and I give that grace. And we get so caught up. We get so in bondage to all of this stuff. And when we do that, then we're in a great position to believe Satan's deceptions, to believe his lies. And he's coming to us and he's saying, come on, do it your way. They don't deserve forgiveness. But here's God saying, do it my way, because my way brings healing. How does Satan's way? He is going to steal kill, and destroy, and you're on the list. His goal is to have us for lunch. And even though he may not be able, even though we're saved, and he cannot take eternity with God away from us because we don't earn salvation, even though 
He can destroy our testimony. He can make us miserable. He can put us in a corner that paralyzes us and paralyzes our testimony. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. That's what God wants for us. Peace, love, joy, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And do you know what happens to a root of bitterness when I approach life God's way with those thoughts? It shrivels up. And then how do I influence those people who are around me? Then I'm not troubled and I'm not defiling those who are around me. What am I doing? I'm so showing them a way to live that will bring joy, blessedness, peace, prosperity, all of those things because my relationship, my fellowship with God is going to be in order so that he can feed me. He can use my steps. He can give me words in my mouth. And I will begin then to be the influence to those around me that he's called us to be. You know what Jesus said? He said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? Salt preserves society. Light dispels darkness. And what he says there is you and only you are salt and light in this world. That's what he's got us here for. Do a little homework for next session. Get before the Lord and ask him, what do you think of my heart? Do I have seeds of bitterness in my heart? Are they there? Where are those hurts? And then get a pencil and piece of paper and ask him, who are the names of the people that I need to release forgiveness to? And start writing them down. Don't ask any questions, forget for now. Just start writing them down and let him show you what he wants you to do. God bless you.